Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. What a great day. It's Sunday again. I've got a great message for you following on from last week. The story of Elijah and the widow with the son and you know she's about to die she's got a little bit of flour a little bit of oil and she says to Elijah you know I'm going to eat this make a loaf of bread me and my son are going to eat it then we're going to die she'd been in lockdown for a long time and there'd been a famine in the land well drought in the land that had caused you know lack of everything God had been providing for for Elijah and then God moved him from from where he was at the side of the brook, and if you remember from last week, the brook dried up. You'll know when God's about to either move you on or change what you're doing is when his resources dry up in your life. And he called Elijah to move from previous provision, the brook, where he was fed by ravens who brought him meat in the morning and meat at night. And there was a river there, obviously, there's a brook so he could drink in a drought, but it eventually it dried up. God's provision dried up and if today God's provision has dried up in your life I want you to get ready for a move a shift in your thinking and maybe even a shift in where you live God moved Elijah from his homeland into Gentile territory Zarephath and he moved him there and he had provision for him there sometimes well let me say this where you are is as important as who you are and for many many centuries now the Christian beliefs have spoken into becoming who you who you are in Christ and becoming all that you are supposed to become but you know what we've forgotten is where you are is as important as who you are because you can be in the the uh, you can be the right person but in the wrong place and God had to move his man for provision and he moved him from the brook to Zarephath and when he got there it didn't look too promising so I want to encourage you, some of you, after the lockdown, you're going to have, you are going to have to move and relocate for work or for business. And when you get there, you're, you're going to look and say, it doesn't look good. There's nothing really cooking here. And the point is, you're the cook. You're the one that's going to have to get it cooking, like Elijah did. And Elijah gives us some great ways of God. He brought God's word, but he's also bringing God's ways. He found this widow woman she was gathering sticks she had a little flour a little oil and gathering a few sticks her life was small and elijah was about to explore the thing and he said when you go and make that bread make a little a, a little loaf for me and feed me first get me a drink of water as well please you know he's he was kind about it but what's kind about nicking somebody's food so he's, scholars have struggled with this because they're like how could a man of god you, you know in be such a burden on a woman at this at this point when she's about to die of starvation give me some of your resources and what Elijah's doing is teaching us something the New Testament is explaining the Old Testament Elijah was creating an atmosphere of faith by saying give me first he represented God give me first have a step of faith you can't touch God you can't get to him but I'm God's representative and now what you do for me You'll be doing it for God. And it was creating an atmosphere of faith. And so Paul said this in the context of 
of God's provision. You know, I keep talking about uh, Paul saying, I've learned to be content in all circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything or all things through him who gives me strength. And also around about there, he talks about verse 19 of Philippians chapter 4. He says, and my God will meet all your needs, not some, all your needs, according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And so in that context of God's provision, we get a snippet, we get a, a, a secret truth that unlocks what Elijah was doing. Paul said, it was good of you to share in my troubles. He's writing to his church plant in Philippi. He said, moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. And Paul understood the power of, of giving. But when you give, when God tells you to give, he's got a miracle on his mind for you. And, you know, God supplies his people with good things. And if he knows he can get stuff through you to help others, he'll get stuff to you. It's when, the, when it stops with us and we're, we're the ones that are just blessed and everybody around us is struggling. That's not the heart of God. The heart of God is, let me find a woman, let me find a man that's switched on to my Holy Spirit, available and open ready to be used. But you know, it's the, Holy, the presence of the Holy Spirit. When you, you sense the Holy Spirit telling you to do something and you do it, he's got a harvest on his mind. He's got resourcing you on his mind. He's, he's about to pour out something significant into your life. And that's what happened with this woman who had a little of these things. Everything was little, little, little. The prophet only asked for a little. So she gave him a little and was blessed with a lot. She received a lot. Blessing in the Bible means strength. Stuff in the Bible, you know, when you've got stuff, we've got a great kitchen, a great car, a great garden, a great, it's stuff that you can use to be a blessing to other people. We're blessed, the Bible says, to be a blessing. Read Genesis 12. So anyway, this giving and receiving, and we see it with Elijah. And you know, for 12 months, that woman's flour and oil didn't run out. Her and her son didn't die. The prophet is a game changer. Jesus Christ comes into our lives. He's the greatest game changer ever. He's not a life coach with principles. He's bigger than he's greater than a life coach. He gives you the strength, the oomph, the stickability, the tenacity to keep going till you get breakthrough, till you get good at what you're doing. And then eventually, it's, it's not that you don't need God, but you're growing up and you're able to provide for yourself. Miracles are there because we don't know God's principles. As we get into God's principles, it's not that we'll never need miracles, but, you know, God puts the onus back onto us. When you've no money, you need a miracle. But when God starts to do miracles in your life and you manage the miracles, you start to be able to grow your own stuff. Grow your own seed. Or let me put it another way, start your own business. Or handle your finances and your stuff well. And I know what some of you might be thinking. You might be thinking, see, why does it go onto finances? Why do, why do we have to talk about stuff? I'll tell you why. Because that's exactly what everybody worries about. 
they worry about mortgages. People say, I have no mortgage worries. You might say, I have no money worries. But somebody in your life will have them worries for you. You know, you might be being helped by them. But there'll be somebody somewhere. People say, I don't want more. I'm quite happy with what I've got. Well, that's okay for you. Elijah could have said that, I'm okay. But he didn't. He included others in the miracle. And they received from God. It's too selfish to say, I'm okay. We're blessed to be a blessing. There's a story, you'll probably hear more of it from in the weeks to come, but the story of Jesus was teaching and then the crowds were getting so big and he's right on the seashore, beautiful. And two boats are there. So he asked the guys, can I borrow a boat? And so he got into the boat and he just put out into the shallow bit and he stood up in the boat and he taught from the boat and he taught them the word of God. The guys were like, in the boat listening they were bored and they just wanted to go on and it's peter he's, he's not a disciple yet it's peter and his brother and his cousins and his whatever you know and they worked hard all night and they caught nothing and the fish that they go for you can only catch at night but this is during the day now and they've been on the night shift and they want to go home they're hungry men they're hungry and they're angry why because the business is failing and Jesus, after he taught, he just said to Peter, put out into the deep waters for a great catch. What have I been saying about when Jesus told you something, just do it. Yeah, just, just do it. But it doesn't always make sense. Isaiah, let me just give you a scripture. Isaiah 55, it's in the Old Testament. And this is God speaking to his people through his prophet Isaiah. And he said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. But he talks about his word. He says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which it was sent. That's how powerful God's word is in us. And it says, you know, that it's there to make the land flourish. And where people, when you're God's people, the faithful will flourish. Psalm 1 verse 3 says, whatever he does, prospers. Come on, you've got to start to engage with your faith and not just listen to talks, but engage with your faith. Mix the word that you hear with your faith, however little it is. You only need a right little bit of faith, so it's good. And, and you mix it together and miracles happen. There's a way being made for you when there is no way. You think, I just don't know how we're going to get through this. But God does, and he'll make a way where there is no way. I'm telling you this before it happens. Lockdown is thawing out. We are having to come back into the what is going to be the new normal or whatever it is. And for some of you, you'll have lost your jobs. For some of you, your businesses will have gone to the wall. And for some of you, finances are going to be tight or even non-existent. And I'm giving you principles. I'm tooling you ready to go in and be successful in the new normal. You're going to have to learn to think like God. And so these guys have been fishing all night, caught nothing. And a, a joiner, Jesus, a builder, starts to tell them to go fishing at the wrong time. 
all the training had told them, you, you know, you only catch this fish at night. But you see the creator who created the fish, however many years before, is now in the midst. That's the amazing thing of Christmas. You know, God with us. He's not just a man. He's not just the son of God. He's God the son. He's the creator. And he's there in the middle. And what happens? Peter says to him, Lord, we've worked hard all night and we have caught nothing. He's angry. He's irritated. But there's something about Jesus. And he says, but because you say, put out into the deep for a great catch, I'm going to do it. And he does it. And the Bible records in the Gospels that they caught so many fish that Peter's boat began to sink. So they had to call the cousins in in the next boat and hitch up with them. And the catch was so big that it was they began to sink two boats. May God sink your boats this year. <laughs> yeah, because what do fish represent? What does one fish represent? Money. It's a cash crop. And the Bible says the nets were breaking. I can imagine Peter thinking, no, no, no. All my money's going through, through the holes in the nets. No, 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 let's land it quickly. This story is about God getting shed loads of money, not just a little bit of money. Just said to whoever you're listening to in the living room now, said to whoever it is that's around you, shed loads. God's getting shed loads of money to these guys. And that story is not about fishing and how beautiful it was on the lake and Jesus gave, oh, and all the angels were singing, oh, no, it's about money. You know, there's 40 verses in the New Testament where Jesus speaks about prayer and faith. And there's 400 verses where Jesus speaks about money and about business. I want you to get hold of it. We have put religious lenses on the Bible and we've got to start looking at the Bible, what it meant to them. That's how you explain the Bible correctly. You, it, it, what, did, what did it mean to its original hearers? Well, any fisherman would have told you that is a miracle. You don't catch them fish during the day, you catch them at night. How did they come? Because the creator, you talk about the law of attraction, the creator, he's there, the fish came. He can cause money to come to you. Think of, don't think of fish, think of money, because they're a cash crop. When they've caught them, they're not gonna go and offer them to God, they're gonna go and sell them on the market and make loads of money. He'd worked hard all night and got nothing. And Jesus came and just dropped a blessing on him, on them, so big, two companies began to sink under the weight of the potential money, yeah? You've got, you've got to see it. Otherwise, it's just a religious story. It wasn't Jesus kind. It's not about that. And so I want us to get real about finances and stop being superior. Like, well, I don't worry about money. I'm not really that materialistic. Christianity is the most materialistic religion in the world. Did you know that? Our God became flesh. You can touch him. Everybody else he's got is invisible up there on a cloud somewhere. Our God came to earth. Even the apostles said, we, we're trying to explain to you. 1 John, in his letter, the first letter of John, 1 John, chapter 1. I want to tell you about the one that we have seen, we have heard, we have touched. And God is about practical needs, as well as our salvation. Salvation is a big word. It's not just saving your soul, so it's not destroyed in hell, but it's, re it's restored and rewarded in heaven. It's more than that. It's to do with what, what we do on earth. 
and God's faithful people will flourish. That's what they're meant to do. But bad teaching has kept us locked up in poverty and just get by, scrape through. And I'm here to say God's about breakthrough. He's about more than enough. He is a big God. He's not skint. And he don't want his children to be skint neither. We might start that way, but he will enlarge us. Isaiah 54, enlarge the place of your tent. It's a command from God. You think you're doing well, grow bigger. You say, well, I'm all right. No, it's not about you. We're here as his servants. Who can we bless when we have a, a bigger life? By the way, as you grow a bigger life, it'll start on the inside. We need the Holy Spirit to enable us to, to take more pressure, to have greater thoughts, to be able to keep going when you feel like giving up and everybody else is giving up around you. This is so good. And you know, I want to move off this story, but I want you to know every time you hear that story now about the fish, a great catch of fish, it says in the Gospels, that is about they are a money, a cash crop, and it's God getting money to his, his guys. Is it any wonder they followed Jesus? They left the boats. Jesus said, come and follow me. I'll make you fishes of men. <laughs> Why wouldn't you leave? You know, he is amazing. Problem is, we've been trained in a certain way to think. And the Western way doesn't fit the Bible. The Bible's not a Western democratic way of thinking. It's a, a kingdom where the, there is a king. And you can't vote him out if you don't like him. No, he's a king, but he's a good king. He's such a good king that he would lay down his life for his subjects. He doesn't lord it over his subjects, doesn't Jesus? He's come and he showed, he showed his hand first. You know, when you're in love, whoever shows their hand first is the weaker one. Does she love me? Does she fancy me? Does she? And, and when you find out she does, you get the collie one, which you're like, Woo! and then you're like, I can tell her now, maybe three weeks later. That I really fancy you. But you know, you're in the... Well, Jesus, let me cut to the chase here. Jesus has shown his hand for God's soul of the world. He gave his only son. The proof of love he's given. Fantastic. I absolutely love following Jesus. You're looking at a real disciple. You'll not, you'll not stop me being a disciple. I am smitten. I am, I am all in. I want everybody in global to be all in. And then I want all their family and friends to be all in. Let's spread the goodness. There's a lot of lies put out about God. And I'm here to speak the truth about God. I wish I could come and have a brew in your living room and talk a little bit more. <laughs> here we go. A smashing verse in the Bible. I've just quoted the most, probably the most important verse in the Bible. And that is John 3.16 for God's whole of the world that he gave his only son. So that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But I think the second most important verse in the Bible, if I can put it like this, is Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And Paul's writing to his new church plant, well, a new church plant in, in Rome. And he's saying, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. Another translation of that says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mould. Everyone competing to be the top dog. Jesus said the greatest amongst you is the one who serves. And we talked about serving earlier in, in the year when we were talking about when, you, uh, when you're confident, you can stretch and grow and you can stoop and serve. But when you're in competition with people, you'll never stoop and serve. 
And you know, there's a hallmark of Christians. We are servants of his majesty, the king. We are servants in this world and people don't get us. They're like, you're soft, you're weak, you're pathetic. I'm like, no, we are very strong and we're at peace. And we want, you know, my contentment is not like I'm sat back saying I'm content. No, I'm content in my heart, but I have vision, visions, and I have dreams. And I know there's more in life and I want that more. My God is able to do more than I can think or imagine, the Bible says. And I've got a great imagination. So have you, hopefully. So come on, God's for us and he wants to help us. Now then, I'm running out of time, but I just wanted you to see some things, you know, that, that God gets stuff to us. And he's there when there's nothing there. When there's nothing cooking, he can help you. Remember that when you're stuck after the lockdown thaws and you're out there. Jesus fed 5,000 people. What with? Five small barley loaves and two little fish. And 5,000 men to try and feed one man with that wouldn't be, a, wouldn't be enough. But Jesus fed 5,000 men plus women and children. 20-odd thousand people were there that day. That's what Jesus can do when you bring the little that you've got. And that woman just said to Elijah, I've got a little flour and a little oil. But I've got another story for you. I'm coming into close, but this story follows on. And it's an apprentice I want to talk about today. And it's an apprentice to Elijah. And he's called Elisha. And when we look in now, 2 Kings chapter 4, there is a story here. Here's this woman whose husband had been part of the apprenticeship scheme, serving Elijah. Elijah had passed on and passed away, gone into heaven. The Bible talks about believers falling asleep rather than dying because, you know, it's just really removing postcode from here to there. We're still alive. But one of the subjects, one of the apprentices, I should say, has died also, and he's left a wife and two sons. I want you to know that two sons in the Bible equal a pension. Your kids were meant to look after you in your old age. That's how it was in the Middle East. And so they were your pension pot. And her husband, had, let me read the story to you. One, uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, it says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered and respected the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elisha said, go round and ask all your neighbours for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into the jars and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped. Sorry, let me say it again. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, 
you know, she's like, she's buzzing. I've got all these jars and it's full of oil. What do I do next? And it says, he said to her, go sell the oil, pay your debts, which equals keep your sons. Pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Our God is a generous God. Can you see? This is about money again. This is about food again. This is about people not shrinking back, but actually flourishing in a situation that wasn't conducive or helpful for a family to flourish. This is about people getting out of debt. God has got ways of getting you and me out of debt. He is amazing. And, you know, I, I have so many stories of people cancelling my debts. I'm talking business debts, huge business debts. And they, they came because God had spoken to them. And they came and they just said, want to cancel your debt? And in turn, I were able to cancel other people's debts against me. I, I just love the kingdom of heaven. It's so positive. But you see, we walk around and we're worrying. And, it, and we need really a word from God. Everything begins with a word. That's what I was saying last week. We need a word from God. And the word came from God. And notice when Elisha came, he went, dear children, do incline your ear to the Lord. It wasn't like that. He says, what have you got? He said, well, uh, what, what, what do you mean? Well, what have you got in your house? Well, I've got nothing, really. Nothing. I've got a bit, a bit of oil. What can we do with that? Is it virgin oil? <laughs> it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, great. Go and get some joy. He had, he had a thought that was going to create wealth for that woman. And this is fantastic. This happens all the time in global. I'm telling it's amazing. It happens in the kingdom of heaven. People just don't know what they're missing out on. And so I want to tell you this story. I can only pull a few things out. I, have, I love this story. Because her pension pot was saved. That is an amazing thing. Imagine working for years and all of a sudden your pension's gone. Some of you might know that. Might have, have experienced that. But here's Elisha going telling her how she can get it back. And even her sons got involved in business. How great. What were their minds like? I'd love to meet them sons. I'd love to find them somewhere in the Bible and see what happened to them. Because it's amazing when God does miracles on the next generation and they watch. They watch when mum and dad receive a blessing from God and they go, that is a miracle. And we see miracles so much now we take it for granted in, in global. We have to nip ourselves just to say, can you remember when? It is just so amazing when God begins to do these kind of miracles in your life. And you know something? She had to put stuff aside. Often when we get things from God, we just use it. We, we eat it or, or we do something with it. Whereas the, the, the prophet was saying, put the joys to one side. In other words, be disciplined. Get a plan of action of how you can put it to one side and save it because it's going to come in at some stage, going to come in handy at some stage and helpful later on. So another word for put them to one side is delayed gratification. There's one. When, you, when you're in business, you, you know, if money starts coming in, you think, oh, let's go for a meal. Let's go for an holiday. Let's go to Brazil. Riva. No, don't. Put the money to one side. Build the business. That's what Elisha was telling her. So, Wow, this is, I never saw that the, the Bible was like this. The Bible is like this constantly. And we'll put a religious lens on it. Take that lens off. Robbie Williams did an album called Life Through a Lens. And I thought, do you know what? We need to change some lenses in life. 
and honestly getting to grips with the Bible and what it means, what it meant to the people in their day, it becomes alive to us. And this woman, she was diligent. She didn't just get a few things. She was passionate about making life happen for her and her sons. And she was humble enough to go to neighbours. Can you imagine the neighbours going, did she come to your house for some joys? Yeah, she came to our oh, place. It's like, huh? Could have, another scenario could be neighbours are going, yeah, yeah, she's not she's not all proud and naughty now. Yeah, coming around, oh, have you got any joys? And you have to fight the mind monsters sometimes when you're in need. You have, you've got to fight the mind, mind monsters. Don't let the world shrink you into its mould. Be renewed in your mind. Think like God. Be humble. She went, her and her sons going round to all the community. And then, which involves the community now, because when the miracle happens, the community is like, oh, I wish, I wish we could have had that. And she's saying, well, you can. It'll just cost you five pound a jar. <laughs> just saying. So many things I can pull out of this. You know, the oil stopped flowing. Not because God wanted the miracle to stop, but because she'd no receptacles left. She'd nothing left. No more empty jars. And you know, God's drawn to emptiness. And God pours. And he looks, let me finish with this illustration. You know, at Christmas time, when we have a big Christmas meal, enough for three people, and you have it just on your plate. And we pour the gravy, and everyone's looking, thinking, is there enough gravy? Well, we're meant to be a pourer. We're meant to be like that, that, that gravy boat that, that just pours out ourselves. And as we, as we lean back, God pours in. And then we pour out. And then he pours in. You know, some of you have got garages full of stuff. And you've had it there for years and you've never used it because it's all it's going to come in. Why don't you invite anybody and everybody to come and take everything out? Just give it all away and start again. Get a new set of tools. Get a, start again. We hoard so much. Let's get it out there. Let's pour it out and then watch God pour it in. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website 